All right, guys, welcome back to the LiveFit Podcast. I've got Brendo here from um, what previously known as PerfitFan. Famously, yeah, previously known as PerfitFan, so I've got to get rid of that one now. Yes, yeah, yeah, mate. All right, so um, everyone uh, who probably listens to this already in Perth knows who you are, but for the new listeners who don't know who you are, explain a bit about yourself. Cool. So I'm a um, five foot seven short bald man that's done a lot in the fitness in the, uh, the fitness space. So um, uh, most people, as you mentioned, would probably know me as um, Perfect Fam. I was about to say Fit Fam Finder. Yeah. I've already moved on. So yeah. Perfect Fit Fam, which um, uh, which up until recently I stopped doing, but that was essentially the the home or the centerpiece of the Perth fitness scene. Yes, yeah. Um, which I started just to showcase cool stuff that happened in Perth, and then yeah. became the largest community here. And it's then like almost half a million hashtags on, under that one like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy, yeah. yeah. It's it's really interesting on the hashtags with that because if you look at nothing like that has ever been replicated in any of the other cities. Nope. And um, even if you look at Perth Fitness, which is the generic hashtag, that's only got like 200 and something thousand. And to have a brand within that niche that has more than doubled what the generic hashtag is, that's like, that's massive. That's like yeah. Perth is okay, out hashtagging Perth, like to a, to a certain degree, which it hasn't. Um, but then if you look at Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane or any of these other cities, there's no one else like it. There's been nothing like it, yeah. which is, which is interesting. So yeah, I guess that's like, you know, that, well, that's that other side, but I guess from my, my background is uh, like, I've been in the industry for 17 years now. I grew up over East. I moved here when I was 20. Um, and I just loved it. Like my dream in life was to sell protein powder. And, and that's, that's how we met. Do you remember I was in uh, Fit College at uh, Raw Fitness in Coburn in my cert four for Fit College, and you come in to do a um, do a talk about true protein. Or was it true was protein? It body science right? back then. Body science. That's right. Body science. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was with had them a for photo. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was with them for seven seven years in total. I completely forgot about that. Hey. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. talk about evolution. Yeah, you you came in and did a quick chat, then you went downstairs to do a CrossFit class, and you came back up to continue your chat. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that probably sounds about yeah, right. You're yeah, like, you're halfway through chat, you're like, oh, it's a class about stuff. I'll be back soon. Then we carry on with our lecture, and then you come back up, you're like, oh, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Brendo. That's actually that's funny, but yeah, that's probably how it went down as, as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, yeah, I was body science for seven years. So, I spent like a lot of time as a rep um, on the road, and that's sort of how I built like my networks originally, you know. In uh, growing up in Canberra, been in Perth, um, in Sydney for a couple of years. So I, I, and then when you get like the national um, conferences or expos, then you tend to your network expands out for sure. Yeah, of course, man. So you've been in the industry about seventeen years. What, what brought you into the industry? Um, cool. So I was a baseballer growing up. So oh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. That I can was... tell by the shaved head. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see resemblance. Like... I can't wear a cap anymore. So I was. <laughs> I'm just gonna get baseball stitched. Now. Like, I, I Mate, just baseball. Gross. get some cornrows there and you uh, spot on. Um, I was a baseballer, and I, um, uh, you know, that was sort of my sport as I grew up. So I did that at a at a reasonably high level uh, as a kid. Um, and, but it wasn't until 16 when I started going to the gym and I just loved it. And I just got sucked into bodybuilding from there. And like I said, I literally just wanted to sell protein. My goal in life was to be the dude that worked at the supplement store. Cause I looked up to him. They were massive. Yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, so when I was in year 12, I actually, I used to wag a lot of school. I, I grew up in Canberra and school's a little bit different there. And you're 18 by the time you're in year 12. Okay, yeah. So you're an adult. So you can just not. Go, yeah, <laughs> essentially. You call your teachers by the first name, people smoke durries at school, like, it's a, it's a different world there. Sounds like South the River here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, I, I, I can say that because I went to Melbourne Senior High School, which is South the River. Smoking durries <laughs> yeah, at school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Surrounded by barbed wire fence, you gotta try to like jump the barbed wire to get out the hay shows. And yeah, that's, it sounds familiar. <laughs> um, and so I, I used to wag. If I didn't like the class, I'd wag and, uh, and I would go to, um, I'd just go to the gym. Um, and so that's what I did. I'll just wag class, go to the gym, um, eat and go to the supplement store. And then we got to the end of year 12 and they were like, Hey, you're going to fail. Like you're not going to complete year 12. You need like another point to be able to finish. Um, but you can do work experience. So I was a horrible student, but I was a really good worker. 
And then, so I did work experience at the supplement store that I used to go to. And because I put in so much effort with my week that I was there and like they knew me, I got along. They're like, hey, do you want a job? What was the supplement store? Uh, it was called Planet Max. Okay. And it yeah. was in Canberra and it was 50% MMA, 50% supplements. Wow. And it's before, it was like, it was like UFC 51 around about there. So yep. Randy Couture, um, you know, that was sort of his heyday. Yeah, and yeah. Um, supplements were bizarre. There was no Ziz. Mm. There was no 24-7 gyms. It was completely unheard of, except for Doherty's, which was a 24-7 gym because they have no keys. Um, and anyway, that's they said, you know, on a job. So I started working for them. I've never told this, but I started working for them for $200 a week. And the, whatever I worked over that, they would pay me in protein. Oh, wow. Okay. There I completely go. forgot. I've never yeah. told that story. And, yeah. I was, and I was like, yeah, that's a fuck good deal for me. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be king of protein. Yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> so I, I completely forgot about that. So I, I worked for him. And then by the time, you know, I finished it, that was enough to get my points. I finished year 12, luckily. And then um, with a certificate. And um, then I ended up working for him full time the next year. And th- that was it. Yeah, so I completely forgot about that. I started working in the industry for two hundred dollars a week and supplements. Yeah, <laughs> and um, that's all I wanted to do. So that's how I got into the industry, and I stayed there in Canberra for about three years. And then um, I don't know if anyone's been to Canberra, but it's not the ideal place to live. I don't believe. And uh, I was like, that's it. I'm jumping on a plane. I'm going to get out of here. So three weeks later, I moved to Perth, and then started repping over here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a story behind that, but I'll let you continue. No, that's right. Man. That's good. Cool. What was your story? So what happened when you landed in Perth? What was oh. the mindset? Were you had family over here? No, no, no. So no one's over here, right? So I played baseball. Um, I played baseball and I came to Perth. Like as part baseball of, part of, Yeah, as, yeah part, okay, as cool. part of the Nationals. And if you grew up in Canberra and then you come to Perth and it's like summer and you see the beaches and like just... Ladies. Yeah, yeah, man. It was crazy. And I was like, oh, Perth's the best city. I'm going to live there one day. So, so that's that's why I jumped over, but I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. I can't even remember if I had savings. Maybe I had like a little bit of a um, like holiday pay payout. Yeah. And I just was like, fuck it, I'm gonna go to Perth. So um, my my goal then was, I was like 20, and I was like, oh, I'll go work in the mines and make some money. I'm sure I've got networks to be able to do that. And I had a friend that lived here. So I was coming to stay with him. But the day before I jumped on a plane, I went on seek.com and back then what was called BPG Imports, which is now called Nutrition Systems, which is a really big distribution company, they had a job called an an account manager. Okay. I didn't know what an account manager was. Um, I didn't realize I was a rep. I was like, oh, accountant. Like, oh, it sounds like a sales job, but why would it be accounts? Yes. I had no idea, like no concept. So anyway, I put in my resume. I got a phone call back within like two hours and they were like, hey, you know, we got your resume. It's really good. You sound like our pedigree, but it says that you're in Canberra. What's the deal? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going on, I'm jumping on a plane tomorrow. I'm going to be over there. And I'm like, oh, would you want to come in for an interview Monday? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I left Saturday, got in Sunday, spent my first day in Perth, went for my interview on Monday. And then I walked in and like, I think I was in the meeting for five minutes. And then the CEO at the time was like, Oh man, let's cut the shit. We're going to give you the job. What do you want? <laughs> so. <laughs> How good is that? That's yeah. Like, talk about the right place at the right time. Like if you had there just at that time, oh, I better see what's on Seek. Yeah. I'm going to land that gig. Yeah. yeah. And then turn out to be a rep for the biggest company at the time. Yeah. I, and then not even knowing what an account manager was. <laughs> this is how, but like I, I, that's full of stupid enthusiasm. Yeah. So they gave me a job. I, my first job was, um, so I, you know how I was, like, so I worked for 200 bucks a week, right? So my first job was a rep. I it was forty thousand dollars, including super. Yep. And if you hit your bonuses, you'd get a thousand dollars. But and so so I, look, looking back now, that's like minimum wage, or you know probably not far but off. You're only eighteen or nineteen at the time. I was twenty. Oh, 20, yeah, almost okay. twenty-one. But for me, I got given a car. I got given a phone. I was yeah. on the road, and I was and, you know, potential. My first ever time in my life, I had potential to earn bonuses, and I was like, "Fuck, this is the best deal of my life." They should work harder too. Yeah, and um, so through that time, I had no idea what I was doing, but all I n- knew was if I spent more time with accounts and I made them feel good, then I would get like more sales. And so I doubled sales in the first month without knowing anything which I was doing. Yeah. Just because I was excited to be there. And I think like sharing that energy and, you know, people vibed off that. 
Um, and that was my first experience. And then through that year, I got to do some cool stuff. Ronnie Coleman came to Australia wow, yeah. um, in 2006. And I was with, you know, the company that I was with distributed BSN and when he had that contract. So I'm like 21 years old by this stage, driving Ronnie Coleman around for a couple of days. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was just me yeah. and his cousin for a couple of days. And I just had to drive him around and take him out Did to lunch. Did he car? So funny story. <laughs> so although I was given a company car, it was a Pulsar. Okay. Yeah. It was. It was a. It, you know, had seventy-seven thousand Ks. It needed to be changed. It was a battered Pulsar. Yeah. And I'm driving Ronnie around in it, and he opened up the door, and he was shocked, and he's like, um, "Is this? Is this? You know, your car?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's the company car." And it's like, man, Danny's got to get you a new car. So <laughs> Danny's the CEO of the company. I'm not kidding. He would have been 140, 150 kilos or something. Yeah. Sits in like the passenger seat and the car just like slumps. <laughs> you probably deal with that though. You can't be that far off. Um, hard suspension in the car. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was my, that was like my first, I guess, major experiences in the industry. And ever since yeah. then, it's just been a bit of a whack sort of journey. Hey. Yeah. And talk us about experience. Ronnie Coleman, what was it like driving him around? Um, uh, he doesn't say much, hey. Um, so I thought, like, you know, it was sort of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a body, I was a bodybuilding fan, man, and I'm driving around, you know, the greatest, the great of all time. Yeah, and yeah. this is him, like, when you could see veins everywhere, and he was just, it, it was incomprehensible. And I'm hanging with this dude, and um, what I remember is, um, he didn't like to speak a lot. It wasn't to me; it was just to anyone. He was very quiet, very chilled, but he had a BlackBerry, like BlackBerry sort of thing back then. Yeah, and it has a whole letter of the alphabet on the on the keyboard. Yeah. yeah, the keyboard, and he would just sit there replying to emails, and you could just hear emails, and the whole time he was just chilled, like just staying calm, and just didn't like stress, just tried to stay relaxed, um, just you know took his time. But I had two conversations, like two like proper conversations with him where we actually engaged a lot and, you know, kind of had a good backwards and forwards. And one of them was when we were eating lunch and he would get, uh, I don't know if it was chicken or steak, but it was like a heap of white rice. But then he'd get artificial sweetener and put the artificial sweetener on his rice. Yeah. And I'm like, man, what are you doing? It's obviously like something that they do, you know, where he's from in Texas, in America. Um, but it's bizarre for us yeah. and him and his cousin are both putting sweetener all over their food and I'm like nah, that's whack and then I got my food brought out and it was I think just steak and salad and then he was confused why this skinny little white kid wasn't having any carbs with their food and he's like and he was like offended that I wasn't eating yeah. carbs and I think that like you know me trying to talk about oh I'm trying to stay lean and you're trying to say this to Mr. <laughs> A skinny little white kid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was like one where we had like a bit of a laugh. And then the other one, there was, um, I don't know if you would know, it was probably before your time, but there was a really good competitor in Perth, Aunt Lena Jade. Okay. So yeah. she was a bikini competitor. She was one of the originals, I think, I went pro. Does she used to live in Perth? Mm, I, yeah, she does the tanning. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah Lena yeah. Jade. Yeah, so this is when um, she just started and it was like an oxygen model comp. And this is at Ronnie's... Um, when he was doing his seminar and it was at Metro's and you know this thing packed out of people there to see Ronnie and then they had this oxygen comp um, Summer, you know Summer Bernard yes of course yes. so it's, it was one of her first competitions wow. so Summer came that's, that's first a, yeah, yeah first time I ever met Summer yeah. that's, that's how far back like this yeah, goes it's, it's like 2005 uh, two, no 2006 it was after yeah 2006 because okay, it was just yeah. after the 2006 Olympia and um, anyway, Lena had just incredible genetics. She was the kind of person that would eat ice cream. I don't even know if she trained that much. And she would flex her bicep. And she literally had a split in her bicep. Like, yeah, just incredible genetics. Yeah. And um, I tried that ice cream. It didn't work for me. No, 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 <laughs> no, I wish. I wish. And you look at someone like that. You're like, yeah, I'll give that ice cream a shot. Yeah, why not? It, it, it doesn't yeah. work. So I was out the back with Ronnie. Just, and it, like, you know, he's just chilling out. Doesn't talk much. And, you know, people are backstage. And I'm just sitting with him backstage. And um, Lena's kind of walked in and I'm like, oh man, she, this girl, like incredible physique, great genetics. But because I started talking about bodybuilding or bodybuilding stuff, he was actually into it. Like he was actually excited by it. And yeah. then like started having like this dialogue about like her having these super great genetics. So it was interesting there were those two things. And then the one vivid thing I'll close off because I only just remembered it is, so Ronnie's done his, his, his seminar, he's chatting to everyone and... Um, he had to pose, had to guest pose. 
and I'm at the side of the stage, like I'm watching from like the backstage, but the side of it. And then he's come up and he's walked up to me when he's ready to pose and he's like, all right, the shirt ain't gonna take itself off. <laughs> and he's just lifted up his arms and then bent over and I've had to help him take his like yeah. his basketball jersey off. And all I'm thinking is, this is pretty whack, but I'm just yeah. like, holy shit, I'm taking off Ronnie's shirt. <laughs> That's great, hey? I completely forgot about all of those experiences, but yeah, that was kind of fun. So yeah, I was like 20, 21 years old and just, that was cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, were you still playing baseball over here at the time or did you end up keeping it up and just keep nah. working full time? So I played from when I was like six. Like I grew up from when I was T-ball, I was really into it. And I think I stopped when, it wasn't the year I came to Perth, it was the year after. Um, I stopped when I was about 15 from memory. Because I was also a musician, um, so I played guitar, and, oh, and, I, okay. yeah. and I did both of them from when I was six, so I was one of those, you know how you see kids that do martial arts or gymnastics or something, and they do it from a young age, and they're just gifted because they just, that's just all they knew? Yes, yeah. So that was sort of me. So well conditioned to it. Yeah, and that was sort of me with both of them, because I did it from such a young age, I was just conditioned for both of them, because that's just what I knew. And then as I got to 15 and I was sort of edging more towards, um, you know, music and smoking weed and doing all that sort of stuff and probably not so much in the sport. And I, I went to the Nationals because I was always like a state player. I went to the Nationals and that was sort of the year that, um, uh, that you get signed. And like, you know, you get into that college sort of age and, and you know, scouts are looking at you. And I was one of the top guys in the team. And for some reason, I don't know why, but I put a lot of pressure on myself that scouts would be there and like that would be the chance where you know you get signed to australia or something like that and um for two weeks straight at this national tournament couldn't pick up a ball i couldn't throw it straight oh, i've been playing yeah. my whole life and then all yeah. of a sudden just like performance anxiety and i'll be like fever. yeah man yeah. i was just like um uh like in tears like during and after every game i'm like you know what the fuck's going on like i've been yeah. doing this my whole life and I remember like being really disheartened after it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take 12 months off. I've been doing this since I was a kid. I'm just going to spend some time, you know, playing music and having a bit of fun and I'll come back to it. It's funny because I actually won MVP that year outside of the Nationals tournament. I won MVP and I was just like, oh, you know, should I, should I stop? But I did. And then um, uh, it's funny because the next year, all the guys that were kind of under me, they started getting signed to college teams. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So if so I... A totally different life would have, you know, if you'd stayed on the extra year, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I let people, like, it's, it's like when I'm, when I mentor, like, young, like, younger guys, like, youth, um, and, you know, they, they usually go through a crossroads, whether they stick with a sport or, you know, not, and they usually, you know, oh, maybe I can go work part-time and earn some money and just stuff like that. And, like... I don't, I don't regret like doing that but the learning lesson was listen you're gonna get a, a, a chance to do something in your life where you get to go live somewhere else you get paid to do college like you, you're going to experience something not everyone gets to experience um, and so like do that but then understand that's not going to last and the chances of you going to the next level are so slim but at least you got to live this experience that not everyone gets to do but then if I look at the guys who, who did go off and do that, you know, growing up in Canberra, most people become public servants and generally that's what those guys did is yeah. that, you know, they did that. Whereas, um, I got to hang out with Ronnie Coleman. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was like, that was your dream at the time. Just being able to be in that environment. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I, there's no right or wrong, like no matter which one you choose, but it was like, oh, okay, cool. When you get given something like, you know, play full out because that's not going to last forever. Mm. I think that's probably more so my lessons from that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing how that like translates to so many other areas in life. It's like whatever you do, just give it, give everything you got. Because mm. you probably had a lot of experience in your life, like even now, like um, changing up what you're doing, um, just being, just being a true bred entrepreneur. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're in my little my entrepreneur spot right now. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk through that? Go for that. What you're yeah. up to? And like, uh... <laughs> so how this thing came about? So yeah, for people that like you know, I think most people who listen to this would understand Perfect Fam and you know. How that came about. I've had so many different like like ventures that I've created over the time. Where I've experience, eh? You just yeah. learn so many different things. You connect with so many different types of people, and that yeah. just builds a happy life. Yeah, it's like um um even no even athlete hub. So there was like this uh, this thing that I created with my friend, and it was just like a way to be able to serve the local you know CrossFit community at events by providing them with these like world class treatments, and that was like a cool little venture you know at 
at that stage and then perfect fair became a thing and then that became its own little beast um and then just through having that audience it just opened up so many doors to be able to um you know commentate the crossfit games last year that was that was a cool experience yeah yeah and then um you know being able to go to a lot of the sanctionals events um going to the Arnold's and having a media pass and literally like where you and I are like now, it's literally me with this camera and Arnold's like right there. And I'm like yeah. just walking around filming him. And because I've got this lanyard, you're allowed like in these sort of spots that people don't get to do. So all of that stuff was cool. But um, I guess Fit Fan Finder, uh, you know, people would know Shell and I from, you know, being in the fitness scene and, you know, being now married. And I'd always get hit up with Instagram Q&As and it'd be things like, you know, what's your advice for meeting um, fit people but not on Tinder and Bumble? And I, me being like Brenda and trying to send the humor in it, I'd always give joking answers. I wouldn't actually take it serious. Yes. And then one of my friends asked me, well, someone, someone that I know, she's, she's one of my friends, um, but through an Instagram Q&A, like seriously, she wanted help finding a date for a work party. And um, I'm like, oh, I know the guy. So I tagged her and I tagged him. And I'm like, you guys go meet. Let me know how it goes. Yeah. And that post went nuts. <clears throat> so um, <laughs> I love looking in my insights. I look at my insights all the time just to see how things perform, what works, what doesn't. Yes, of course. Yeah. And um, yeah, as you do. And so for me, um, a, a successful post, like, it, like a, a decent post might get 200 to 300 click-throughs on someone that I've tagged in. This got like 2,000 click-throughs wow. and I just had people hit me up with messages straight away going, hey, that's awesome. Can you help me out? So I'm in the hysterics like that people are so interested in yeah. this. But then at the same time, that entrepreneurial part of my brain goes, oh shit, this is actually that's a problem. Awesome business. Yeah, 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 it's actually like, a problem yeah, that people have. a service to help people meet and match. Yeah, fit yeah. people, yeah. Awesome, yeah. So um, I like, you know, my the I started doing these Fit Fan Finder Fridays just to kind of like, you know, see if people actually engage in this. And so the rules were... Um, I'd get I'd get some photos of someone you know with their permission and their consent to be able to use. I'd get a little bio. I'd do like the Instagram swipe right flame thing. Yeah. Just so it emulated some form of dating. And the rules were: number one, we had permission. Uh, no creeps, no hookups, yep. and absolutely no dick pics. Yes, yes. And people were cool, like they did it. And you'd get about 50 swipes um, per post that you'd do. Um, people were actually messaging and matching. Um, and then I had people hit me up saying, that's cool, can you help me, can you help me? And I'm like, okay, cool. This is actually something that people want. Yeah. So then within that stage, doing research within the industry, um, everything, learning everything I could learn at the time, I ended up saying to Shell- was like about a year ago? Uh, close to. Yeah, yeah. Close to a year ago, so August. I think August last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah that's, that's come up um, fast. fast, yeah. yeah. And um, so in the background, just learning everything I can um, about it. And I said to Shell, because we had enough on our plate, we did social media courses, all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, hey, I think this is actually an opportunity. And um, I said, I'll work on it, but I'll work on it when you're not home. So she goes to the gym in the morning. So I'd wake up at 3.30 a.m. And then that would give me uh, until about 7.30 Eight, eight o'clock until she got home and then I'd stop working on it. So did that for ages um, and then ended up bringing on, uh, bringing on a small team of people, going through this whole process of getting this development done and then um, just kind of built uh, an audience or built people that were wanting to use it. So we already validated that people wanted to jump on the app. Yes. And then we launched it finally. Um, development takes a long time, by the way. We ended up launching it at the end of February and um, just got traction like straight away. So I think, yeah, at the moment, we just clocked 20,000 matches. Wow. 3,000 local users. Um, you know, we brought on the former team of Bumble, which is, yeah. I, I, I can't just lead in with that. Like, I've got to explain that story yes, and how that yeah. comes about. Um, you know, and just about to close off on our next round of investment as well. So, the Bumble thing is something that I got to announce, I think, two weeks ago. So th- this whole thing has been a coincidence for me, right? Like, yeah. like, an, like, just and so the time you just logged on to seek and yeah, yeah, and, and then moved back. Same, same, <laughs> yeah. same, same, yeah. same deal. This has just been an absolute coincidence. This whole thing. So our team all come from the same gym. Just coincidentally, it never meant to be like that. It just so happened that it 
just networked up like that. Yeah, from the CTO, who's a computer scientist, coder, um, to the initial seed investor who became a co-founder as well. It all came from that same location. Yeah. But also... Which gym was that, sorry? Oh, Legion. Legion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And yeah, and then it just so happens that one of the guys that trains there, um, as all of this was going down, is like, hey, one of my good friends um, used to be the head of fraud of Bumble. Do you want to meet her? And I'm like, yeah, of course I want to meet her. So she's based in Amsterdam. So we linked up via Zoom. Um, had a good chat, just told us heaps of details, but just asking some questions. And then she's like, hey, a lot of the questions you're asking, I can't answer, but I'm really good friends with the former head of data analytics. Do you want to meet her? And I'm like, yeah, that's the one person I want to meet in the world right now. Like, wow, yeah. like when you're talking apps and technology, they're essentially data businesses where everything is decided by the data which is going on within the app, like what features you use, how you grow, what acquisition channels you use. Um, just everything to do with the app is based on data. So it's literally the one person with the experience that we needed. So I'm like, yeah, I want to speak to her. So of course, of course I do. So we ended up linking up with her because she had just left recently after um, Bumble sold for $3 billion. Yeah, so and she was there from the start wow. until that process. Yep. So she's, you know, seen the whole journey. So we linked up and it was her and a business partner who was also formerly from the company and, you know, just got along, like hit it off really well. Um, she's based in... London. London, there we go. Yeah, she's based in London. So their agency's there. And, um, you know, just over time, um, we would just speak every couple of weeks, touch base, they'd give us a little bit of help, give us some advice. And I'm like, hey, this is a really unique opportunity. We actually need them in the business. And um, so I pitched it to them and, um, you know, they love what we're about. They loved our energy. And, um, yeah, then we, after a long... Uh, after a long process, they you know they've officially joined the team, and then we were able wow. to announce it. So yeah, yeah, got our ducks lined up there, which has been pretty good. That's cool, man. What a bizarre experience! Like, like to paint the picture of that, we launched the app a few weeks before COVID hit Australia, right? Which is a great kind of a great time to be like online. online. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, like like we were like, okay, well we can't promote dating, but people are going to be online, so that worked. But this whole deal and this whole growth was negotiated via Zoom where you're working with some of the some of the most experienced people in your scope and you eventually like are leading these conversations where they have worked directly under the CEO of Bumble, like yeah. someone who's at yeah. this level. And this is all being done via Zoom on the other side of the world. It's a really bizarre experience. Yeah. I didn't I didn't ever think I was gonna be um running a dating app let's put it that way yeah uh, mate and it's amazing where life takes you because you're probably how long ago did you meet Shell um it's five years this year yeah five years we got married on our four year anniversary so yeah five years in November wow mm. how'd you guys meet <laughs> so Shell was my competition so she was a rep that worked for another company but she yeah. came from Brisbane so I hadn't met her yet, and then we actually had a, it was a party at Matisse, and one of the supplement companies it run it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it, yeah, it was still Matisse at the time, um, and one of the supplement companies run it. So all their staff were invited, all the reps were invited, and it was after the, uh, it was after some major event, and no one was able to interact for a while, and so this was like the, hey, let's all catch up and celebrate sort of thing. Five years ago, what happened five years ago? I'm trying to think, um, five years ago, major event, it was just like an Australia-wide thing? No, I think it was to do with a sale, or okay, yeah. maybe, the, maybe the sale hadn't gone through at that point in time, and there was a lot of negotiations prior. Uh, okay, for the actual company itself. Yeah, yeah. which stopped people from... Uh, been able to be invested within that company. Uh, yes. Yeah, been able to work there. So I think that that I think I, I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's that's what it was about. And um, anyway, so I was like, I don't I don't drink, right? Um, I was drunk like for the first time in years at that point in time. And then um, Shell was there. We hadn't met before. I just knew about this new rep that was over here. Yeah. And so I was just carving it up on the dance floor with her. Yeah. No, 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 that was it. That was it. Just carving it up. Went home, really embarrassed that I was really drunk the next day. Woke up feeling sorry for myself. Went, okay, cool. And anyway, so that was it. No fireworks, no nothing. Yeah. Um, just met. And then 
um, because we're each other's competition, but we were both very active reps. So we'd see each other around a lot and she was doing a really, really good job as a rep. And I'd always like compliment someone on, you know, doing a good job. So I did. So, and, and I wasn't like, you know, trying to work my way in, like it wasn't even on my gender and for her either. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I would just, um, let her know that she was doing a, a good job. You know, I'd been around for so many years and she was kind of new, but she was doing she's new over here. Yeah. She's doing good. So I want to let someone know. Yeah. And then, um, it was probably, it was probably about a year later that we actually went, I guess what you would now call a date. Although the intention wasn't for it to be like a date just at all, up. just to catch yeah, up chat. outside of yeah. work. And um, I went to go take her for Cocoa Whip down at uh, down in Freo. How good was Cocoa Whip? It was the best. Yeah, love yeah. it. When's that gone? I don't. I don't even know if it's <laughs> still around. Yeah, I don't know either. Hey, that was. Uh... It was banging back then. Oh though. man, that was great stuff. Hey? <laughs> yeah. So that was our thing. Is that we would catch up. You know, this this one time we caught up and um, again, like no intentions as like being a date or like anything like that. But I remember we ended up having like this three hour conversation and there was a lot, she was a lot more, there was, she was a lot, there was a lot more to her than what I thought, what I had pigeonholed her to. And she never really had a, like a, a long-term boyfriend or a serious relationship. And she's like, oh no, no guy's ever been able to like match me. Yeah. Keep up. Yeah. And I just remember thinking. Challenge accepted. Challenge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, okay. This sounds interesting. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just like that for months, hey. Like for months, we'd just, um, just catch up, like nothing nothing else, just mates catching up, having Cocoa Whip. And then um, it wasn't until, I think, October, just before she turned 30 and she was going over to New York and nothing we'd been seeing each other, like just on these Cocoa Whip dates. And then that was it. It was like first kiss the night before she went. Yeah. And the next thing you know, she jumps on a plane and I'm like, oh shit, I think I've got a girlfriend. Yeah, that wow. was it. So she's away for a few weeks and then yeah, come back. This is history. That was it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's just a success story. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm, now I'm married, hanging out and, uh, you, and know, you, got a, you, got, you got a little rich phony. Got a little rich, rich phony. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Really cool story. Um, so you used to, obviously you used to work for a company where you used to get a wage. Yeah. And then you went into your own business and you know, paying yourself wage. So talk us about that trip of entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's kind of correct, not kind of correct. Yeah. So um, when I first worked for Body Science, um, I was like always entrepreneurial, right? Can I, actually, can I tell you what my first entrepreneurial business was? Go for it, man. Just for a funny Facebook story. Apps. No, oh, no, no, no. Okay. But... Um, I learned, the, do you know the site Alibaba? Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay, so Alibaba wasn't a very well-known site and ordering consumable goods from China wasn't super well-known yeah. um, in 2006. So in 2006, I started, you know, I'm reading all these personal development books and business books and I'm 21 years old and I'm trying to like, you know, oh, what am I going to do? So I found that I could order iPods from Alibaba in China and then I could bring them in for $55 US and I could sell them on eBay for about $180 just yep. through auction because iPods were so popular at the yeah, time. Of course, yeah. So I went, this is genius. Thinking that I'm ordering it from the Apple manufacturing facility. I had no idea, by the way. So I got in an order. Um, I got this, um, this box. Uh, I think it was about 50 units from memory, the first yep. order. And I went, oh, fuck, these are fake, but I'll sell them anyway. <laughs> so I chucked these things on eBay <laughs> and I sold them for anywhere between 150 bucks to $180. Yeah. And I sold them like within a couple of weeks. Wow. And I was like, oh, shit, no one's getting back to me. Uh, okay, this seems to be okay. Yeah. Do another order. So I ordered in 100 units. I swear I was earning like three grand a week. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Until I started getting in trouble for... <laughs> For selling counterfeit goods, and then I got a couple of legal notices, and I went, "Yep, yep, yep." I should probably close this shop now, so that I shut down my eBay operations. <laughs> mate, live and learn, mate. Yeah, you yeah. You know the waters unless you test it. Yeah. yeah. So that was that was my first <laughs> that was my first ever op- um, operation. Um, I imported, you know, um, shaker bottles. Yes. Obviously, got one. Right there in Obviously. Yep, so. Having customized shaker bottles was pretty rare back then, unless you were like a super big organization. So learning my Alibaba uh, tricks, um, 
I realized that I could negotiate with um, the manufacturers and they say, oh, well, this is the minimum order requirements. Where yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas if I went back and I said, well, I can do that, but I want to split into all of these different colors and brands and they would negotiate and you'd be like, okay, cool. So then I'd phone around all of the um, supplement stores and connections that I had and I said, okay, I need a minimum order from you. And they were like, yep. And it was... It's 50% upfront, 50% on arrival. So their 50% upfront would help pay for the shipment. Yep. And then as soon as it arrived, all of a sudden I'd get like a big payment from all these people who I had ordered shakers for. Um, so I did that for like a little bit too. And um, and then I, I owned the domain shaker bottle, shaker bottle or shakerbottles.com.au yeah. and a company wanted it. So I ended up selling that to them and then they wow. said, but you can't do shakers anymore. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, just yeah, give me a lump sum. Yeah. So that was like, yeah, that was like another thing. So coming back to the switch. So when I started this, like I, I had experience with like earning in other ways, except when I started with body science back in 2000, the end of 2007, they basically said, you got two options. That's a long gig with that. That's almost, what, not nine years? Uh, it was a gap in between, but okay, seven, yeah. seven in total. Yeah. yeah, so three and a half years, three and a half years. So when I was with BSA, um, and this is just before they really exploded, they said, do you want to um, be an employee? You'll get X amount plus a car plus a phone. Or do you want to be a contractor and be strictly commissioned? And obviously the risk is if you shit, you don't get paid. But the, yeah, and, and now we're at the point where they said, but if you sell, then you know through the roof. Yeah. And I was like, of course, I, I got I got a high tolerance for risk, and I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm gonna take that I back myself. So I was like 21, maybe 22, 21. Let's just say 21 at that point yeah. in time. 22, 22. 22. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 22. <laughs> and um, I ended up walking into like a six figure income. Wow. Yeah, because I was in New South Wales. It was a big state. It was growing for them. They had new products coming into the market that was like helping them take a lot of it. So I was like, um, I was I walked into a big income, but I it was risk and your income would fluctuate. So I had experience with not being on a salary, um, and then there was a two year layoff when I wasn't in the industry. When all I wanted to do was earn money, right? Money was like a really big motivator for me back then. Surprisingly enough, it's actually not a motivator for me now. Um, it's more the, it's more the fun. You, yeah, yeah, it's the fun. It's a more game. People you have more money make. Yeah. yeah. Like, like the money side is not what... I don't do something to go, oh, sweet, that's, that's, I'm going to earn money. It's like, oh, this is a game. This is fun. Yeah. Um, and that's the cool side of it. But anyway, back then, it was like, it was like money. So... Um, I got offered a position to go work for new home sales because I was, you know, my, I was told, oh, you know, these guys earn, you know, lots of money. Like new new home sales, so that's property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I was like, cool, that's cool. So I left uh, BSC. I went to go do that. And then the same situation now, um, you get paid big commissions, except you're never guaranteed of that. And you might go six months, especially as you're starting, with not earning like anything, like like really minimal if, if you're lucky. So I think that um I I learnt uh I I learnt um how to work in uncertain times. Like I, I never was never sure. reliant. Yeah. 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 And just rely on yourself. That's it. Yeah. And then the biggest lessons for me with the money side of it was actually not through business or work. Um, uh, towards the end of my time selling homes, like I, I had like, uh, I, I did well um, towards the end. And then all of a sudden I actually stopped work for 18 months to go and do youth ministry because uh, I was involved with the church at the time. Okay, yeah. So I actually did Bible college. Wow, there yeah, you go. Yeah. I would never pick that. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no one would. There, yeah. there you go. Yeah. yeah, so I did Bible college and, um, uh, and, and I didn't work. So I had no really regular income. And I had to learn, like I went through stages where, because I would be driving youth around, like mentoring, like doing heaps of stuff. And I remember being so focused on money prior where that was where I connected my success to. The more I yeah, had, the more success. Yeah, the yeah. more successful I was. And then you go completely opposite, where you're literally living on meagering noodles. I remember there was a time, um, and I'm still driving everyone around. I'm still giving of myself. There was a time when I had to borrow five dollars of my roommate so I could just go get something to eat. And then I'm like, I will pay you. Like, and I had to pay him back. And so I went from one extreme to the other. 
But one thing I realized is when I, when I went through a stage of like not having anything, is my happiness didn't change. And, my, and if anything, it was fulfilling to help other people. So that process changed my perception of uh, the need for money. And so because of that, I have the ability to take big risks knowing that my identity is not tied into it. Um, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't go straight from not having, sal- uh, from having a, a so, salary yeah, had, to not. you had quite a few yeah. ins and outs along the way. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Yeah, man. on all yeah. sides. Yeah. So, and but needed those lessons because now like, if it's a risk, like what's the worst that can happen? Like we live in like such a great country. It's such an abundant country, uh, country yeah. like. It's, it's amazing how, how easily it can be taken for granted living in such a wealthy, abundant co- uh, country. Like yeah. in ways of education, in the ways of um, support from you know the government or just yeah. general people around you. It's a well, look at COVID. It's a place, man. Look at COVID. Like recently, yeah. um, that happened. All the gyms shut down, um, and it was just chaos. What's happening? Like my whole livelihood's gone. The gov- like the support that everyone got. A lot of people ended up better. Through COVID, then before it, just yeah. because they were able to innovate and change. But even if yeah. they didn't, what happened? Like, your life is still going. You're still alive. It's still alive. It, it, goes on. It wasn't as scary as what you thought it would have been. It's like, I think you're facing those things up. Like, Tim Ferriss speaks about it. I was a real big Tim Ferriss fan. Yeah. And he went through his... Uh, Tools of the Titans. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got, I got a signed copy. Uh, I think it's in my other room. I got, oh, wow. I got yeah. signed copies of his books and stuff. But I was really into him. Um, and he talked about practiced, like, poverty. I, I'm not sure if that's how he coined it. But it was like, he would go through a stage where he'd only eat rice and beans. Because, you know, and, and that was a way of saying... I think it was a stoic um, practice. And it was, well, I'm going to live like poverty um because then if poverty ever comes like is it really that bad exactly so it removes the fear and i feel like i've experienced that where i'm like oh yeah shit's okay as long as you've got a roof over your head um you know you can eat like you're you're gonna be sweet you actually don't need much outside of that yeah yeah and then so that takes that takes away your fear to be able to actually go and chase something or do something and I think that's big as well. I'm not a very material person. We've got a real minimal house. Yeah, no, there you go. No, I love it, man. Um, yeah, I have a similar experience with that is being, um, you know, when I was 17, uh, around that time, I was uh, homeless yeah. and had nowhere to go and, um, you know, hooked up in drugs and alcohol. And yeah, it was one of those times where I was like, I couldn't get a job, didn't have any experience, couldn't, yeah, couldn't even afford to, you know, get food. But I remember had, it got to a point where I was sleeping on a park bench in Frio uh, for a night, and I had dollar fifty left. And back then, because I was still a teenager, I could still get a you know fifty or sixty cent bus ticket. Okay. And so I used a dollar to call uh, a mate I had. Yep. Um, uh, lucky enough, I knew his phone number, and see if I'd come crash at his parents' place. Yep. Uh, last dollar, last fifty cents. Um, managed to go there. Um, got there. Managed to charge my phone. Yep. A couple of days later, this guy that I used to work with got uh, gave me a call and said, "Hey, look, I know you're going for a rough time, but." Uh, I know someone who might be able to help you out. And that got me a job earning like $14 an hour and I was stoked. I was <laughs> like, holy shit, like, this is my chance to build back up. So yes. yeah, when you when you beat at an extreme point where you literally, you know, you've got nothing. Yes. Um, you just, you appreciate the minimalist sort of things, like just having a roof, having a bed, having a warm shower, yep. having freaking could be a piece of toast. Like it doesn't matter. Yes. Like you appreciate it so, so much. Do you think yeah. back like of those times, like do you draw on that often? Is it hard to is it hard to imagine you being that person? It is hard, man. But yeah. like at the same time, I remember the mindset around it. It was like you know, like yeah, that, that thought going on inside your head that how are you going to get out of this? How are you going to change it? And it's like, well, you did, so you can. And so yes. it doesn't matter. Like you know, if, if tomorrow I woke up with no business and someone had taken all my business away and everything away, I've still got everything up here in my head. Yes. To do it all again. It removes the fear, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. If you've got that knowledge, you've got that past experience, like you're saying with being an entrepreneur yep. um, and having that experience of um, making your own salary and working off commission and different, and then going to Bible study, uh, yeah. sorry, Bible... Bible college. Bible yeah, but college. Bible, yeah, 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 yeah. Essentially, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, it takes away, it takes from one extreme to another and it's like, no matter what happens in life, you've got this. 
It's, um, I, I forgot. I remember that you posted about it. I didn't know that story, but I forgot because I brushed past that. So before I did Bible college, I was hooked into drugs really bad too. Meth or? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I smoked meth. I, I, I grew up, I did like pills, coke, all that sort of stuff. I, the first time I smoked weed, I was 12 years old, man. I look at 12 year olds now and I'm like, what? What? I was 12? So, yeah. That explains a lot. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was, I was like, yeah, but I, I did a lot of stuff like really, really young, right? But I'd do pills, I'd do coke and I, I would consider it, I'd do the fun stuff, the rock star stuff. I would never do meth, right? It just wasn't like my thing. And then some- was dangerous, eh? Yeah, man. Well, so dangerous. Somehow I got caught up in a circle and there were people that I looked up to. They weren't like, you know, junky, like yeah. meth head sort of people. They were high profile people, but that's what they did. And I was like, well, if they do it, Maybe it's, it's fine. I'll do yeah. it as well. So I started doing it, even though I said that it's something that I never did. And then I went through like uh, a breakup. I was with, you know, I was with a girl for, I was engaged actually. I was with a girl first since I was, since I first moved here. So oh, wow. yeah. since I was 21 and we went through a breakup and that like bottomed out my life. Like it's like I lost everything overnight and like, um, cause it, none of my f- family was here. You know, her family was my family. And like your um, friends were your friends. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and I like lost everything and I changed my job and like all I had was me and me and my dog at the time, me and my pug dog, that was sort of it. But I went through a lot of that pain in like isolation by myself. And that's what you use. That's what you use. Yeah. yeah. That's what people don't understand. Mm-hmm. I might've been functioning in the world, but at home I was either like drinking until yeah. I, I blacked out or I, um, would be uh, awake for like three days on end. Yeah, yeah. I'll just get a bag of um, ice and I'll just sit there like smoking it. And I'm like, this isn't me. I never saw myself as a drinker or a drug user. Yeah, no, I saw I, myself I, as a fitness person yeah, like yeah. that in my mind. And it's hard because it's hard to live with yourself because you're, you're, what your actions and your values don't align. It doesn't match. No. Yeah. And then it causes a lot of like depression and like guilt and just shame. pushes you further down. Yeah. yeah. And that's this crazy thing. So, um... Yeah, I completely forgot about that. And like, like I, I bring it up because then like, I went through this whole journey, like went through Bible college, went through everything. Is that, is that what pulled you, into, like, pulled or pushed you into Bible college? Yeah, like, I almost like OD'd. Yeah, I, I, was, I was having a massive bender up and I, thought, I don't even, like people were over my house. I don't even know who they were. I was, you know, so fucked up. And I just remember like walking into another room and pulling my eyes out and just calling up my mum and dad. They were in Canberra, so it must have been like 3 a.m. their time. And I'm like, hey, I'm like not in a good way. I need help. I need to, I need, I'm going to end up killing myself. I need to come over. So I jumped on a plane. Spit told me them, saw it, you know, saw a psych, just had to recoup myself. And, and I'm like, I've got to start reading again. Like I've got to start getting into right. personal development. How good stuff. is that? Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. that was it. And then that's kind of what led me to one of my friends reaching out and going, hey, you want, you want to come check out church? And I was like, um... Uh, I was like, sure, what else am I going to do, yeah. you know, with my life? And then it wasn't what I expected. And I ended up really integrated into the community. And, um, you know, I had a mentor that essentially saved my life. And um, I kind of went on that sort of journey. And, like, I'm not involved, like, in um, church or any religion or anything anymore. But it was so important for me at that stage in my life. But it's funny because I feel like the person that I am now and the things that I'm doing now, it's everything that I envisioned when I was in my early 20s and like, you know, been into Tim Ferriss and like, you know, what I wanted to achieve out of life. But seeing that journey and looking back and like how I've ended up here, it's so bizarre. It's such a bizarre thing. I I never saw myself as that person. And... You saw yourself as the person you are today. Yeah. yeah. And, and you now, had to go for that to be who you are today. Yeah. yeah. And now that I look back, I that. it's hard to think that I actually was that person. And that's why I ask you, because you're obviously a completely different person and, you know, you're experiencing different things in life. And it's like, um, it's hard to think. I don't speak about it often because I don't like to victim myself. Mm. And it's hard to think that I actually ever did that. It feels like it's just not the same person. Mate, I feel you. Like, um, yeah, there was a point when meth really took control, which would have been around my 20, for about two years, pretty much from 18 to 20. So that constant, um, you know, like you get getting drunk. It started off me dealing, right? Yeah. And I was like, I can make some money out of this. Yeah. Um, I'll start dealing. Um, and then I was like, oh, how do I know if it's good? Better start smoking it. Yeah. Okay, I'm just smoking on weekends. Get it from my dealer. Yeah, you know, and then it ended up being, are you smoking this every day? I'm like, 
yeah, is that, that's okay, right? No, that's not okay. And like then I was like, oh, maybe it's not. Anyway, that went on for about two years, right? So yep. went on to that point where I was like, I'll end up smoking, you know, every day. And I'd go, all right, I'll try to cut back. Or, you know, get to the point where you're just in so much physical and emotional pain from it. Yeah. You can't sleep, that you look around in life, you know, you, you don't have your job anymore. Your family's gone. Yeah, you can't cut in like goddamn energy to brush your teeth. And it gets to that point. And it's like, you go, all right, fuck, that's enough. I'm done. Yeah. And you're clean for a week and then you relapse. I suppose you would have went for a site similar. Yeah. Like yeah. Weeks, and yeah. then you clean for two weeks. You're like, ah, oh. and then you frame that shit. You want to celebrate being clean for two weeks. Then you end up, uh, ended up in hospital, right? You know, overdosing. Uh, and it got to a point and got to the point where it was just so, so painful that I could never do meth again. I just, I just got to the point where I was like, I was so much happier without it yes. than what I was on it. Yeah. And um, once, once I learned that, that just, that, you know, changed your life. It's funny, um, like, like uh, I, always, I always thought I was a drug addict. Um, I realized, like, it wasn't the case for me. It was, like, alcohol, and alcohol would lead to, like, other mm, things for sure. Yeah. But, oh, sorry, it took me, like, eight years, right, until I actually got to the bottom of it. And then I realized, and it was actually, I think it was, it was a plant medicine journey, and it delved into my subconscious. And I actually saw it, and I looked back at that trauma that I went through and that, how I dealt with stuff in isolation, and because you always think, oh, you're a shit person. But then I realized... It's not really you. No, yeah. yeah. That's what I realized. I went, no, you were fucking hurting. Like, you were actually, like, so hurting as a person. Yeah. And that's just how you dealt with it. You Perfect. self-medicated. Yeah. And you had no one there around you. And um, and, I, and I was able to forgive myself um, at that point in time. Mate, that right there, forgiveness of yourself. That's, uh, yeah. you know, I suppose that's what, they, that's what you'd learn yeah. in Bible college, right? But yeah. uh, as much as you, know, you might get people that are atheists or don't believe in religion, but believe in forgiving yourself. Yeah. At least. yeah. It's, it's funny it took so long. And as soon as I was able to do that, I ne- I've never had like, that's what I said, like, I don't drink. I, I'm not even an inkling to do it because I don't have any pain. And because I don't do that, that's allowed me to become the person that I am now because I don't have those baggages in life, I'm free to be myself and perform at the highest possible capacity, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, that was like a really deep... No, I love it, man. Actually, all my ripping back around, like, how important is it having someone good in your life? Like, like Shell. Yeah, to I help, Yeah. Just to help, like, share your life with and keep you happy, especially when you're by yourself at home. Well, you're not by yourself now, but you know what I mean? When you're isolated. Like, yeah. It's really important having those good relationships. It was because... I, I think like like take out the drug side of it because that like um, I think through church like you know um, methods like that like you know never had touch I think still trying to come to terms of like drinking because people do it and it's like you know it's socially acceptable and you know I never saw that as been an issue but I still had to like work through that right, where yeah. and the way that I explained it was and this is whilst we were still dating and lucky that she's still here is if I wanted to try and be normal if I got a bottle of wine and my thoughts were well my parents drink a glass at night or two glasses at night you know maybe i'll just try and be normal and i'll try and do that and just relax a little bit but if i have one glass i'm gonna drink a whole bottle if i drink a whole bottle i'm probably gonna want to go get more and i'm like oh no you can't do this there's some part of a relationship i'm exactly the same yeah i'm exactly the same i can't it's either you know it comes down to that mentality you're either you either give it everything you got like you said (laughs) earlier in the podcast or you just don't do it at all. Yes. Um, and you know, some people are just wide like that. And I'm, I'm exactly the same. Like I didn't drink for almost three years. Yep. Um, and it wasn't until last year. I actually, I think it was the beginning of last year. I started um, my partner at the time and her family, they were all socially drink and yep. had fun. And I was like, maybe I can do this. Yep. Couldn't do it. Yep. Still couldn't, couldn't drink, couldn't control myself enough. Yes. To drink. So yeah. So again, just no more alcohol. It's just yeah. But one of those things that even in a situation where I felt comfortable, I was like, this is definitely just not for me. Yeah, I think it's that fear for for, for me, or not even the fear. It's like the hey, there is a high probability this is not going to end well for exactly. you. Yeah. Just don't do that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like driving at three hundred kilometers an hour. Just like, it's, you're probably gonna crash. Just don't do it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's that'll be our experience with drinking. Yes. Yeah, where a normal person is like just cruising on the freeway at 100. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. To put it in a metaphorical sense. Yeah. yeah. Very, very yeah. true. No, interesting. That's a, that's quite a life. Yeah. 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 Craziness, hey? Very, very crazy. Yeah. And did you find like you went from um, drugs to alcohol as a way to get off from drugs? No. So I, um, I alcohol and drugs were hand in hand yes. with me. Always alcohol first. I would never... 
be sober and be like, I want to score some meth. Mm. I would be drinking at home. And start to weaken your mindset first. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then when your inhibition goes, then it'll be like, you're, you know, I'm messed up. I'm hurting. Yeah. yeah. Morals go, okay, I got to go pick up some drugs. Yeah. yeah. And then it, it would always be that way around. It would never be I'm sitting home sober and clear of mind and being like, hey, I feel like taking drugs right now. Yeah. It was always alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's amazing. And like, I found that too with alcohol is that it, it's just, just giving your power away just a little bit. Yes. It's just enough to let you slip up and it's, it's for, you know, for some people it's just not worth it. Yeah, dumb yeah. shit, stupid text messages, whatever that looks like. Yeah, type text messages, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 3am, yeah. I, I remember, I was drunk at home one night. Um, you said jogging home? No, drunk. Oh. I, I, I was drunk at home, yeah. like, like obliterated um, at home. This is before Shell, like, before Shell and I started dating. And um, somehow I'd started messaging this guy on Facebook. Um, but it was literally just gibberish. And he's like, hey man, are you okay? Like, are you drunk? And it was a guy that was from like the church sort of circles. Yeah. And I looked in the morning and I saw what I had written and it was literally just gibberish. And I was so embarrassed. Yeah. And like just shaved and I'm like, you're an idiot. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I remember because uh, I've been to uh, actually Ray. Um, yeah. Yeah, Razorbone, yeah. Um, Ray Hodges. Pray, pray, ho, um, pray for Ray. Pray for Ray. Yeah, pray for Ray. That's it. Yeah, so he taught me to my first NA meeting. Like, this is years after being clean. Yeah. But, um, you know, sitting there, and I remember you sent me a photo of your NA tag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Ray, Ray took me. Yeah. yeah, Ray oh, took you. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, Ray took me. So I went to NA with Ray. Ray's taking both of us. Yeah. We can talk about this, right? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was like, hold on. Isn't it supposed to be anonymous? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. So Ray took me and um, uh, it was my jam, but, and I spoke to him about it. And then we spoke about like drugs and alcohol and he's like, Hey, like NA is like pretty hardcore. Um, maybe go to AA. And I always thought like, I remember saying to my parents, cause they, I think they always wanted me to go. And I remember um, uh, I had to, I had to, I had to, make the commitment to take myself and go by myself because if I, I knew if I did that then it showed that I was committed to the process and I did and there was one like just up the road and I googled it and I said that's it this is it if I know if I go and I'm not taken by someone then I would stop and yeah literally that was it I don't know if it's like two three years ago maybe well, two years ago yeah. two and a half years ago yeah but um yeah, I just went to AA and hung out there. I think I went for three months. I never went back, but yeah, just alcohol. Yeah, that was that was that was it. That's how I stopped. But yeah. yeah, Ray took me to the first ever NA meeting. Yeah, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, no, like same thing. It was just interesting being able to hear um, one, being able to respect how far you've come. Yeah. Um, and two, being able to hear the people that are still going for that day to day battle. Yeah. And it just gives you like it just makes you go, wow, I'm grateful that I'm out. And two, being able to share your story and go. And give some of those people inspiration too. Yeah. I think I used to speak about it a bit more and I had people message me about it with their struggles and what they were going through. Um, and I don't think that I have spoken about it so long. So people probably, like there's people that have probably jumped on the journey that probably don't even know. Yeah. yeah um, who, are, who like I said, probably are dealing with something. Like there's definitely a percentage of Especially everyone that you know. Especially the COVID time. Because how many people are isolated and they just go, all right, well, I can't work. Yeah. I don't know anything. I'm going to do drugs and alcohol. Dude. They're probably just silently suffering like we were. Yeah, that's you know, what I was going to say. About, yeah, you know, you know, you don't, you're the only people we talk about is with the people that you do it with. Yes. But you don't treat it like a bad thing because you're all doing it. Yes. So that's, the, that's the messed up thing about it. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's very true. Um, and that's that's what I was thinking. Like during COVID, if I, if I um, uh, hadn't stopped and if I didn't live with Shell, and if I was in a situation where it was just me and my dog at home during COVID and not working and just whatever, I was like, man, that's when you're isolated, that's it's when dangerous. that's when you do it. Yeah. And I'm like, you would have been like doing it every day almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah crazy, exactly. hey? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I hope people are okay. People do want to chat about it. Feel free to like shoot out to me messages, yeah, hey? Always, always reach out to someone. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah like, yeah. Especially like people who have gone through that and yeah. got come out the other side. Yeah. Um, you know, and built their lives back up. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I actually, you know, I was so grateful I had a home gym during that COVID period of time. Yeah. Um, because like mentally, it just gives you, a, well, it gave a lot of people, like I just let people hire it out just 
by themselves, one person for 45 minutes and you know, pay 10 bucks. That's really cool. Um, yeah, exactly. And you know, people could come and use it. There's a booking system. And um, as long as they cleaned everything down, go make sure everything was clean. But just giving people an outlet with everything that was going on is just so rewarding. Like, I love that. I think like, so when COVID, uh, just before we went into lockdown, I said to show up, I'm like, hey, we're going to go into lockdown. This is inevitable. I may as well plan, like we may as well plan for it now. And I said, I'm going to change the workouts. I'm just going to get one 24 kilo kettlebell. Yep. You know, I've got that. I've got my rope. That's it. That's all, that's all I'm going to train Mate, with. there's so many things you can do with a kettlebell, but after a while you're like, do I have to do this again? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, do I have to do another swing or clean? <laughs> it, yeah. It kind of got like that, but I was like, I need, I get, I thrive off challenges and and for me, that just became another challenge to sink my teeth into. And um, I, don't, I don't usually post that much like workout videos, but I started doing it during COVID. And again, look, like looking at my insights, um, people would um, you know save it and share it and comment and then tag me because they had done the workout. And I'm like, oh, this is actually inspiring people that they can do stuff at home that they didn't need full equipment. So I just continued to do it. Um, and it's like, yeah, like, like, you know, you leasing, th- um, hiring out the space, just allowing people to do stuff, just showcasing that you don't need, you know, you don't need everything. You can just do it even if you've got nothing at home. Yeah, yeah. And it was cool to see people work through that. Um, definitely not everyone did and it, and it may not have been optimal, but the yeah. people definitely, uh, some of them did really hold on to that. Yes. Yeah. And went with yeah. it. Yeah, especially if you go from I, I did a post about which like during that period about you know if you're if you're someone who because um, you know I'm like myself as a strength coach so my, I put a post about if you're used to lifting heavy and getting those endorphins and like that's your go-to place to let out rage or whatever it is you got to do um, reach out to someone because if you take that away and you're you know you go two kilo dumbbell at home that's what you got yeah it's going to put your mind in a very different in a challenging place without yeah. that outlet so it's like always reach out to someone. Yeah, burpees at home. Uh, By and, yourself? And, and air sports. Oh. Yeah, probably oh, good for a strength athlete. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's a good change, but like that mindset around, you know, that putting the heavy weight on your back to then going to body weight is just, it's, it gets you. Big difference, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's very small on the scale of mental health, but it's still, it's still something that can contribute. Yes. Yeah, yeah for sure. No, that's wicked, man. Um, I've got to shoot to the loo. <laughs> yeah, 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 go. I think you're awesome. <laughs>